Welcome to Comfortably Uncomfortable, not another running story. Thanks for joining us. We don't do small talk here. When we get outside and slightly uncomfortable, we get real, and we aim to continue these conversations here on this podcast. My name is Megan Fanning. I'm the owner of Zendurance Now Coaching, and I'm joined by Sean Meehan, one of our coaches. Let's talk, let's get uncomfortable, and let's see where the conversation goes. The information in this podcast represents the views and opinions of Zendurance Now Coaching. This content has been made available for informational and educational purposes. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for medical or psychological advice or treatment. We may be right, we may be wrong. Either way, be a solid human. If you're thinking about making questionable decisions, please seek out an appropriate professional. Hey, everybody. How are you doing today? We have we have Sam and Megan on the podcast today, and we're going to talk about music. Ooh. Is that your radio voice? I don't know what voice that is, Megan. That's my <laughs> that's my sexy ASMR voice. Ooh. <laughs> Shiver. Yep. So we're doing uh, we're doing music today. Each of us has picked six songs. First song. We're just going to dive right into it, right? Well, yeah, right? Do we need to say anything else? I don't know. Maybe not. All right. Let's just Sam's here. Part. Sam's yeah. here. The gang's all here. Sam, say hi. Yeah, let's go. Let's go. See, I told hey. you. Everyone's just ready to jump right in. Sounds good. All right. Sean, what's your first song? Oh, the first song we're going to play today is a 1970s Thin Lizzy song, The Cowboy Song. All right, you ready? God, that's such a fucking good song. Well, I'm glad you think so. You picked it. Oh, my God. That gets me jazzed up. <laughs> I really do love that song. There, There is something about that track coming on and being on the trail and fucking running, and all of a sudden, you're just fucking humming along, man. Whew. Whew. I'm interested to hear what you guys think of that. That's just, so... I've got to preface it. So that track, the first time I heard it was covered by uh, a country punk band called The Super Suckers. Um, and I have it off of a live album and didn't know it was a cover of a Thin Lizzy song until like I started diving into why it wasn't showing up on their live albums on Apple. And I'm assuming that Thin Lizzy must have said that they can't cover that song in, on their live recordings. And it it doesn't exist anywhere except on the CD that I have at this point. You can't find it online, covered by the Super Suckers. What year did it come out again? 76. Okay, because yeah. I assumed when I heard it, well, when I saw the title, I was like, oh, I don't know this song. But then as soon as I heard it, it it sounds like um, little, what I would call little kid music, like music that I heard growing up. It sounds super familiar, and I, and I totally remembered it. 
after I listened to it like six times. Tim's like, fuck <laughs> you. you. Like you yeah, I was 16, you know. I remember this. I remember this. It was a this is a great album, and that song "Jailbreak" was the big the big hit on that album. Tonight there's going to be a jailbreak, and uh, it's yeah, it's got great energy. This, this was tenth grade music for me, so uh, um, yeah, it's a great song. I I didn't know this one particularly. It it didn't make an impression on me back then, but it is. It's a great song, and uh, it's these guys are from Ireland, right? Oh, that, Irish I, I believe you are probably right on that. That's, I can yeah, they do. were rocking out in the mid-70s with that kind of Aerosmith heavier sound. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah, they're a Dublin band, yep. Yep, they're awesome. So we both, we both like, we all like Sean's song. Yeah. No? Good that's, job, Sean. Yay we're me. We're a winner we're right off. Start. I'm going to say, Sam, before we get too far into this, I think, Megan, I agree that you might have the best playlist out of all the songs, out of the compilations here. Well, okay. I think that Sam is a good middle ground between you and I. I mean, and I don't just mean music. I mean personality, too. Like, Sam, like, first, I'm doing this by myself, this this business. Then I bring you on. Then we bring Sam on. And I think Sam gives us the balance that we need. I mean, although I think Sam does try to poke us so we argue because it's entertaining, but <laughs> maybe other people find it entertaining when we argue. So maybe that's why Sam's doing it. I don't know. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think Sam, you you're the good, you're the middle ground. There you go. I'm the uh, the peanut butter and jelly or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> In between the two slate, the the rye bread and the uh, white bread. I don't know. <laughs> there's a, there's a a very awkward analogy. So, <laughs> but yeah, I you know I think it's uh, I think it's it's all I think all these are great songs. So I'm looking forward to to t- tick through them all. Yeah. All right, yours is next. What are what song do you have coming on next? Uh, it's called Choctaw Bingo by James McMurtry. Um, and just leave it to you to cue it up, and then we can talk right. about it. Here we go. Strap them kids and give them a little bit of vodka in a cherry. That's right. That's right. Makes that crystal meth. Oh, the lyrics. Yeah, that's a. Dude, that is the most redneck motherfucking song ever. It is oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it is so cool. I love the groove in it. And uh, it's what is it? It's about this family making crystal meth because mm-hmm. the shine don't sell. So yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's super redneck. It's like a whole family reunion going down and just the all the characters that are involved in this family in this family reunion. Yeah, it's ridiculous. The um So like, Sean, I actually was gonna send you a picture of this. Um, 
but I forgot because that's that's been the theme of my life lately. But on my wall in the house, we have a huge poster um, of when James McMurtry and Jason Isbell toured together. But the picture is really cool. It's this it's a giant cardinal um, with um, like blackbirds evolving and coming out of the cardinal's wings. Pretty cool. But I'll I'll uh, I'll definitely uh, have to post that picture. Right on. I had never yeah. heard of James McCurdy, McMurdy before. McMurtry. Whatever. McMurtry. Yeah, he's uh, you ever he's Larry McMurtry's lonesome dove's son. So he comes by the whole literary uh, songwriter thing uh, as a deep family trait, and he's and of course he's an Austin dude. So great musical upbringing and. Uh, He's been around. He actually, I think um, John Mellencamp kind of gave him a boost like 30 years ago. He produced one of his albums and um, a bunch of his band played on his first album. Uh, So he's great. And I'm actually going to see him in March. So I'm psyched. Where are you seeing him? He's at the he's playing around Boston. Yeah, because we were looking at that show. We're going to there's one in Shirley, which is kind of just north of Worcester um, on March 23rd. So it's a nice small place, like three, four hundred people. I've seen him live a couple times, and I think I probably started. Oh, God. I I mean, I moved to Austin um, mid 90s, so somewhere between somewhere between somewhere in that mid 90s range is he just sort of became part of what I was automatically listening to from so he's he's very cool yeah and I mean he's got all kinds of great funky songs so oh yeah yeah but there you go if Sean likes it we're all good we're doing good all right Meg what do you got coming up the next one this this is one of my favorite running songs. So it's Rob Zombie, and the song is called What? Naughty Cheerleader. So I'll give it a play. Just rocking out over here. I I love that song. And kind of a funny story. I don't know if I've told this before, but this this song came out, oh gosh, late 90s, I think 1998. And so my kids listen to whatever music I listen to. And my youngest at the time, um, well, she would have been, well, she wasn't born in 98. So, so it would have been you know, when she was little, 10 years later, you know, listening to this, listening to this song, one, one day she said, um, mommy, what did the cheerleader do that was so naughty? <laughs> I didn't quite know how to answer. That's so I, the song. Yeah. so I said, I said, honey, 
she didn't listen to her parents and she was disrespectful to her mom and her dad. So my youngest went, oh, okay. (laughs) But so this, so Rob Zombie, his real name is Robert Cummings, which doesn't exactly have the same effect. I'm saying it in a little voice, but um, they formed White White Zombie, he was the lead singer, and then he left um, and became a solo artist. This album is on Hellbilly Deluxe 2, um, and it sold more in the first week than any of their stuff ever did. So this album is a great one as a whole. But Rob Zombie also is um, is a movie producer, and he produces horror movies, but they're sort of... B-grade intentionally and phenomenally violent, um, as as uh, this this uh, this album. There's a lot about there's a lot about the devil and all that sort of stuff. But it's just one of those great songs that always gets me going. So I got a couple of stories about Rob Zombie. A, he was in Farmington, Connecticut. If you didn't know that. There is a skate park that's not far from his house that he was very upset about because they were making too much ruckus and it was disturbing him, which seems like a very un-Rob Zombie a thing ruckus. to say. And um, I, when I went out and crewed and paced my buddy Matt in Tahoe for the Tahoe 200, when I flew back from Reno, Rob Zombie was on the plane with us. Oh, really? Yeah. And he looks like that in real life, though, doesn't he? Yeah, that's exactly. He was wearing leather and had yep. dreadlocks and looked like that. He's like colored dreadlocks. I mean, oh, uh, he, they're they're black. Oh, they weren't. Uh, you know. When I saw, but I I saw I saw Rob Zombie play, um, with White Zombie, and Pantera and the Deftones, like in the Hartford Civic Center at the time. I think it was. Mm-hmm in 96 and that was a crazy fucking show to see i took my oldest and i think it was for his 13th birthday 15th birthday i can't remember but um rob zombie was was the lead at this festival and i can't remember the name of the festival but it was like corn and Slipknot, you know, that that sort of theme. But we mainly went for Rob Zombie, but I brought my son and one of his friends. And so they walk in and these two little white boys from West Hartford, very, very naive, saw all these goth people and they were just open mouth. Like they didn't know, they didn't know what to, they didn't know what to make of it, but it was a, it was a great show. I have to say this show was the loudest show I have ever been to. This show was so loud that when we walked in, the three of us had to leave and get earplugs only because it was so loud that it actually physically hurt my ears. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, and the other thing too, speaking of Farmington, um, as I was, you know, just doing research on on these songs, I knew I knew that he was in Farmington, but he was born in Haverhill, Massachusetts, which is half hour from my house here. And I went, huh, didn't know that. Learn something new every day. So, yeah. People in Massachusetts are all fucked up. They're yeah, all fucked up. <laughs> Careful. Well, at, least it's, at least it's entertaining. 
because all right, so uh, that's so more what's next, on Rob Sean? Zombie than I ever thought I'd know. <laughs> I said that's, well, that's more gonna... on Rob Zombie than I ever yeah. thought I'd know. Good. All right, Sean. All right, so up next we have Shane Smith and the Saints Fire on the Ocean. It's a new release by Shane Smith. Um, yeah. All right, here goes. I had never heard of Shane Smith. Um, he appeared on an episode of Yellowstone. Um, and I was like digging through tracks and that like release came out and it's different than a lot of the other, other stuff. Other stuff is more, I would say more traditional country. That's like kind of like kind of like a really dark feel and vibe to it. It's kind of cool. I kind of dig it. Yeah, I was wondering what where you know what his total sound was like. It def you definitely get I, I was it's heavy. Yeah. That song and but you get the country vibe underneath it. And so I was I was I was trying to figure that out. It's cool. I actually like it too. Megan's in con- consensus with a song that she likes. Oh. Mm-hmm. no i think i'd forgotten that it was on yellowstone but i like his sound i like the lyrics and i like that what you were saying about the production value of the song it has a very um serious and heavy vibe to it but his voice is so pretty that it doesn't sound ugly yeah i mean it's all about like like dreaming of being back in like your, your lover's arms and being back with them and having been, you know, the time I spent in the Navy and like being out to sea and being like away from family and stuff like that. I, I can kind of really relate to that stuff. And you start dreaming about being like with that person. And, you know, it seems so impossible, like the fire in the ocean, you know, it's kind of, kind of like, kind of just takes me back. I remember. We're all in agreement again. What's happening here? Oh, you haven't got to the songs that I probably won't agree with you on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have a we have a few more to go. Okay. <laughs> There's some coming up. All right. What's next, Sam? Uh, the infamous string dusters. And this is a song called Gravity. And I, you know, honestly, I don't know. I, my daughter actually knows more about these guys than I do. Uh, she's more of a bluegrass head, but I just heard this song on the radio we have this great radio station even though massachusetts people suck it's wumb i'll put a big plug in for that and all the sort of americana sound is amazing so yeah this is uh gravity by the infamous string dusters
Yeah, no kidding. That song, I can hear that multiple times in a row. I, I did put it on repeat. Um, this is one of my new favorite songs. So, Sam, just for the record, one, I think the first time you were on, you played Jerry as your outtake song. So that's one of my new that's one of my new favorites. And this one is one of my new favorites, too. Yeah, this to me is just such an uplifting song. Uh, and they drop into that chorus. Mm. It sounds so cool with uh, with the uh, dobro and then with the little banjo in the background. I, in the violin, yeah. Yep. It, and the harmony is really great on it, too. Yeah, yeah. That's Again, what I th- think carries it. Yeah. yeah and they, these guys, you know, I, I've heard, tried to listen to other songs by them, and I, it didn't grab me as much, but... Yeah, I th- I think these guys would be amazing live. Killington. There you go. Uh, February is it February tenth? I sent you. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah, you so. did. Free free concert. I'll actually be there. Nice. Should any of our fans want to come out and see me? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, and the string dusters are here too. You know. <laughs> here you go. Go out and play. Okay, so. So next, very um, another another older song. Um, this is Four Non Blondes. What's up? All right. So that was 1992. And it came off. 93. Uh, it said 92 from their debut album, Bigger, Better, Faster, More. Oh, the single was released in 93, though. Correct. Smart ass. <laughs> I do my research. But yeah, so I don't remember hearing this song until I had moved down to Texas and it was my first apartment in Texas, so that would have put me, oh, God. Yeah, maybe maybe mid-90s. And I still remember the music video. Um, so that's dating me. But I think, I mean, I remember. Harry's outfit was ridiculous. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but this song, I don't know that I liked it as much then as I do now, because I just feel like. It's an anthem for what is going on in this world, like just what's going on. And it's very hard for me to listen to this song and not sing, scream it at the top of my lungs. I didn't. I I did not do that for, for you guys and for our listeners. Yeah. Would you be screaming at the top of your lung? What's going on? I would when I wake in the morning and I step outside. <laughs> do you get real high? I do. I say, hey. What's going on? <laughs> so this song. She, she sings like, her ass off. On she it. does. It's great. It's great. She does. This, this song came out when I was in high school. The date, y'all. Yeah. So wait a minute. What year did you graduate high school, Sean? 
97. Okay, I was 91. What are you, Sam? <laughs> Sam just shaking his head over there. So fucking awesome. Uh, before that, 78. 78, okay. Yeah, this song, the, my association with this is, is we had, I, had a, I was played in a band like 20 years ago with guys on um, our road. And it was just like me playing guitar, a guy on drums, a guy on keyboard. And we all had kind of learned at the same time. <laughs> and we would, we were, t- you know, we were just playing like three chord songs down mm-hmm. in the basement. And we sort of aggregated other people. I don't know where they came from, but <laughs> then one day this this woman on our street shows up and she goes, oh, can can we play this song? It was it was four non blondes. And um, I think I think I'd heard it before, but I hadn't like taken it in. And Margie could sing her ass off, especially when she was shit faced. She sang <laughs> really good, which usually happened event, you know, as we got deeper into practice. But uh, that's what sticks with me is. She just belting it out on a couple of really good versions of this. So I, mm-hmm. this is a great song. It is an anthem for the ages. Yep. All right. So, Sean, what's next? Oh, so we're going to go in like a drastic direction turn here. Of course, we, we have to. <laughs> and so we're going to we're going to play turns or we're going to play the, the song Mystery by Turnstile. It's uh. It like the album, I think, was like voted punk rock album of the year last year, but it's not a super punky song. It's 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 just interesting. You play it. I really I take, take my use of all the seconds that I can get of a song. <laughs> That's perfect. That break is a little punky. I like that. But yeah, yeah it is. The The production on it, is, it's it's like a weird muffled production. And I'm trying to, there's, it's a, it's like a style and sound that I've heard before. And I'm trying to like place the, I've been trying for, since I've heard the, the track about like two years ago trying to place where that sound kind of comes from. And I like, can't like pinpoint what band is. So listeners out there, if you know, hit me up with the text. You should have, you should have asked us that beforehand because I listened to it enough, but not with that question in mind. You're right. It does have a familiar sound. But you know, it'll bother you too there. Yes. I I, wish you, yeah, I really wish you asked. I, I wish you'd asked a month ago when we started listening to these. Yeah, but it's it's a it's a cool fucking track. Um the whole album is really good. It's kind of got that same vibe all through it. The singer can sing for uh and not like in a screamo type way, like a lot of more metally songs. It's like legit singing, not just punk yelling either. So I dig it. It's catchy. What do you, what do you old people think of it? 
It's I like catchy. it. Yeah, I like it's a, it. It's a it's a catchy little number, young one. <laughs> See, I went through my I was into uh Faith No More, oh, yeah. Fire Hose. Yep. Um you know, I, I went to go see the Chili Peppers and there's yep. these two these two bands. I know they're not punk, but you know, this band called Pearl Jam opened up for them. What? And then yeah, it was like on the on their very first tour. This was like nineteen ninety in the Springfield Civic Center. That's awesome. So um, and then Anthrax and Public Enemy. And mm. I know that's not punk either, but uh, that, that was a, the only. That is a great collab, though that that track. Yeah, it was. It was that was an amazing show. It was the only time I thought that Orpheum, like the balcony in the Orpheum, was going to come down. It was. It was literally going up and down about a foot or two with all these dudes just going nuts on it. But there's a lot. I don't know. There's. Um, um, you got me stuck thinking about what that sounds like. Yeah, yeah. See, this is the type of question you you send us in advance. Oh, this is the best. Now, now people will also be stuck on this question. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it's it's like so when I look at it like music today, right? I feel like the only like genres that are doing anything that I feel is like new or progressive or like putting real albums together and not just like putting singles together are like the Americana countryside and like the punk side. I don't feel like there's a lot of like rock and pop bands that like put just solid albums and out. And I think that like, I know Megan's going to disagree with me with one of her band choices that I'm going to, but no, no. Cause I'm thinking about albums as a whole, but I, I agree with you. Um, you know, listening from, you know, from end to end, those are the two genres that I probably listen to most in on my turntable. There's a lot of other singles that I like, but there's a lot to be said for the art of vinyl and songs going in order and there being a theme and an overall vibe and feel and production value. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. It's for me, my ears, I'd rather listen to a song that's cut on like the first or second or third, maybe take. And uh, I think that there's more people. I mean, my my vibe is very much the Americana thing, singer songwriters. So um, that's what, you know, they're doing. And, and these people that, you know, they just gather a bunch of good musicians and they maybe play a few chords for them and then they just say, okay, hit record. Mm. Um, it just is so much more organic than, so I, I can't say I listen to anything else that I have an opinion on, you know, in terms of the more mainstream poppy stuff I did when my kids were younger, but I don't pay attention to it anymore. So, so shall we hit the next one? I think yep. so. It's all you. Okay. So, Megan, this one's just for you because this is from the same album um, that Jerry's on. The album's Mr. Happy-Go-Lucky by John Mellencamp. And uh, this is called Key West. <laughs> Shoes. 
This loud Cuban band is crucifying John Lennon. So I'm just, so glad that you. I'm sorry, me too. But I'm so no. glad you chose that section of the song because I didn't know what section you chose because I do love that line. There's a Cuban band crucifying yes. John Lennon. Because like. Live like, Cuban band, yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, if you've ever been to any, like, of the islands or whatever, there's always some band, like, singing, like, some form of pop song or whatever and, like, destroying it, like, out there. Like, <laughs> it's like, I was like, oh, I, I know what that feels like. It's, uh, yeah, it's a classic line. And, like, the other one, she's perched like a, like a parrot on his tuxedo shoulder. And, uh Anyways, I, I love this song. It's just it's like a complete male fantasy song, too. You know, you walk into a bar and you see some woman that you're like instantly fall in love with. And you're like, oh, you know, you should be hanging out with me tonight, not with him. But uh, um, yeah, I just I I just think this is, you know, what we were just talking about, uh, an example of great songwriting and great musicians, musicianship and um I think John Mellencamp just oozes that. Um, mm-hmm. Forget about his kind of crappy John Cougar Mellencamp past. He's he's whoa, so good. Whoa. The Jack and Diane past. Yeah. Whoa, there's nothing wrong with Jack and Diane. Oh, there isn't. There isn't really. But it was just over. It was overplayed. Yeah. yeah. That that being said, this sounds more John Mellencamp than Jerry by far. For sure. Well, one of the re- I, I haven't listened to this song in years. And this was one of those songs that the radio almost ruined. It got so much play, sort of like, like, I don't like my least favorite dead song by far is touch of gray. I can't even listen to it because it just, I feel like the radio ruined it and the radio came close to ruining this song, but I haven't heard it in years. So I was like, Oh yeah, yeah. I actually like this song. So yeah, it's John, John Mellencamp meets Jimmy Buffett, right? There you go. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. It's funny. There's another um, there's another song on this, like the first five or six albums on this song on this album. First five or six songs on this album are amazing. And there's one they have this old guy talking about he was an old boxer and talks about running into Ernest Hemingway, that Hemingway was refereeing some some fight. And this guy took exception to something that Hemingway did and like punched him. And <laughs> and they're like, hey, do you know who you just punched? And they say, yeah, yeah, that was Ernest Hemingway. And he's like, he's not a boxer, you know. <laughs> so anyways, just a little cross reference there. The whole Key West theme. So that's that one. On to. That's me. And I put this one in just for Sean because I know how much he likes them and and I'm wearing my I Greta saw. Van Fleet t-shirt today from the concert we just went to this is Greta Van Fleet uh, Black Smoke Rising
So this song is one of my favorite songs by Greta Van Fleet, and this came off of their debut album in 2017, although I did not start listening to them until, I think, last year. Um, I recently took my youngest to see them in concert. Great show, great production value. I like the lead singer. His energy is just boss. Um and yeah, this song, whenever I listen to it, it it just makes me move. It's very hard, very hard to sit still through this song. I think, you know, this song, it it goes well with the four non-blondes to me. It sounds, there's, there's I don't know if it's a similar sound in my ear or what, but uh, I don't know Greta Van Fleet at all. So you do now. There you go. They're, they're a great Led Zeppelin cover band. <laughs> I mean, but doesn't every band sounds like somebody, you know, they get their influences from somebody that's, and I mean, you, you, even, you know, when you're writing a song, you know, the song you write comes, you hear, you know, something else and it just peaks it. That's, that's his voice, man. And, um, it's not just that it's the whole, it's, oh, it's the whole thing. I'm, I, <sighs> I love I mean, them. I, I love say, them. Listen, I, love I, like, them. I like Led Zeppelin, so like I don't dislike it. I just I just it's so derivative to me. It, it like it tweaks it tweaks the neurodiverse part of your brain. It and does. It, it fires and you can't enjoy it because your your little neurons are going Oh my god, it just it's like even the way he dresses, I'm all fucking like But he uh, doesn't Oh, just it's, it's I got to tell you, this this was one of the most fun concerts that I've been to in a long time because it had such an incredible production value. And they, you know, they just lights and flames and all sorts of symbolism and stuff. And, you know, they they had tons of fire. And my daughter goes to me, she goes, is that is that real fire? I said, can you feel it against your skin? And we did not have phenomenal seats. We had like midway seats. She said, yeah, it's really hot on my face. I said, that's because it's real fire. <laughs> well, this is, I will say, so, right, there has been a lost art of the arena show, right? Yeah. Like that is like kind of, I mean. I miss that. I people, miss that. People yeah. like Taylor Swift, like that exists in. But when I saw the same thing, Beyonce, yeah. When I when I saw when I saw Motley Crue and like Def Leppard and Poison and all that, same thing. Like fuck, I'm full on pyrotechnics, giant screens, like things exploding, dancing girls, mm -hmm. like everything yeah. that you could possibly want in a like arena show. The opulence of it all, the like over the topness and like all that existed in that. Whether you like the music or not, that is it. Just it's just wild to be a part of and see. It was very it was a lot of fun for me to take my youngest, who's 12 right now, and have her experience that kind of show. I mean, because we we go to a lot of music, we take them to a lot of festivals, we do, but this, you know, this level show she'd never she'd never seen before. And it, it was it was cool seeing that experience through her eyes. Sam, Sam's done. No arena rock shows for Sam. Screw you. Moving on. No, I went to, no, what did I see? I saw Bonnie Vare and it was not that, you know, it was, it was like the opposite of that. They had a little, little trim. 
And then, and it was weird to see Bonnie Vare in a in a in an arena setting. Anyways, the last good one I saw was the Who when they did their Quadrophenia tour. Oh yeah, yeah. Like I don't know, ten or twelve years ago. Even though Roger Daltrey at eighty still took off his shirt for everybody to see, they were they were pretty cool. So, but yeah, I, I'm looking. I'm going to the small clubs mostly at this point. Well, that's what we do for the most part. Yeah. So it's nice every once in a while to have your brain explode with <clears throat> loud music and fire and lights and all sorts of stuff. Yeah, that's cool. All right, you're up next, Sean. What are we listening to? All right, so it is Friend of the Devil um, live from Madison Square Garden, speaking of arenas, um, by Dead & Company. And it features... Maggie Rogers on vocals as well as John and Bob. And uh, it's just, it's a fucking good version. It's from November of 21. Yeah, her voice is fucking something else. I think her voice makes this version of the song pop, for lack of a for lack of a better for lack of a better word. Um, I'm not. I mean, my kids listen to Maggie Rogers, um, so I knew who she was. But I think I texted you when I was listening to this. I was like, "Who's who else is singing? Who's the female voice?" Because yeah. that's that's what makes this version um, as powerful as it is. Oh, go ahead. I, uh, yeah, I had, I'm like totally brand new to Maggie Rogers. There's a, one of my clients said, mentioned her and I heard her in this podcast, um, that I listened to that I was just thinking of when we were talking about one of these previous songs. Um, it's called broken record. It's great. Rick Rubin, um, is you know, does some of them, but, uh, um, so they had this great interview with Maggie Rogers, but I never heard her sing until I heard this song that you sent it over. And I'm like, oh, wow, she's got some pipes on her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And her, her recordings are different. Than, like if you were to like listen to her recordings, you'd be like, oh, OK. And she, I mean, not it's just you wouldn't see her like mixing in with the dead. But I mean, that being said, you wouldn't necessarily think John Mayer would be mixing in with the dead either. And they're like that like they got so much criticism for taking him on but i i like him i like him with dead and company oh he's because he's a great guitar player and he doesn't try to be he doesn't try to pretend that he's jerry right like he sings like john does i know it's sam's upset because they play too slow and i get that i don't think that has anything to do with john (laughs) i think that's all bob like slow it down slow it down you know we get too loud if it goes fast and uh yeah, I mean, I guess Mayer was a huge deadhead, too. And he's from Connecticut, you know, so. Yep. You know, he's, uh, no, I, I, I'm, you know, the dead in company, Sean, you and I have talked about it. That sound is, it's not my favorite. I, I actually like Bob more with Wood Brothers. I think it's more interesting. Yeah. Um, but, uh, 
no, this is a great version, and Maggie Rogers is, I agree with you, Megan. She adds the pop to it. Mm-hmm. And Friday the Devil is a great fucking track, too. It is. Like, great story, and great whole. My, my favorite cover of Friend of the Devil, and I think I sent it to, I sent it to you a while ago, Sean, is Lyle Lovett's cover of Friend of the Devil, and it was off a dead tribute album early 2000s, and in his cover, I think when I heard him sing it, I realized how much feeling the lyrics actually have in it. I didn't hear I didn't hear the emotion in the lyrics until I heard Lyle Lovett sing it. So another good version. All right. What do we got next, Sam? It's called God of Loss um, from a local Boston area band called Darling Side. No renegade, just your So that's, uh, it's interesting because I hadn't heard the piano version before. Again, I know we chatted about that. Um, it's all a fiddle that's playing instead of the yeah. piano in the version that I usually hear. But it's, it's like, I don't, I don't know why. It's, it's a really moving song to me. And um, it kind of goes back to like that Gravity song. It's, um, they're, uh, they're a bluegrass band, really, I think, um, or acoustic band. And it's just, I don't know, just one of these songs that reaches inside you and just grabs you. Hold on while I stop crying. That sounds so <laughs> sad. I mean, it's the piano, the piano makes it like seriously sad. And at first I was thinking, oh, you know, this might be a song to play like during a yoga class. But I'd be like on the ground, you know, mourning all my losses in my, you know, <laughs> my years of life. That is a very, very emotionally, um, it pulls stuff out of you. You know, it's um, it's a very emotional song. Well, there's great lyrical pictures in it, right? Like yeah. you didn't, you didn't yeah. touch on it in the, the version that you, you've played, but where he talks about, you know, essentially finding a small, like two people finding a small plot of land and like, on this island, we can like anything we can carry. It can be our home, and um, just having that that togetherness with someone else, and talking about being humble, like my father, the carpenter before me, and all that, and like all those feelings coming together about what it's like to be a human um, is is pretty good in the the whole context. What I think is the most interesting about this band, so I dove into some other stuff, and it's their they're like use of vocal reverb, right? Like they, mm. there's a harmony that they sing and they sing together, right? It's multiple, it's gotta be multiple singers. Yeah. And then the reverb over it, that's just that slight reverb. It almost gives it like an echo feel to, and it's, and it covers it like on almost all of their tracks. Like if you listen to all their stuff, there's like that, that reverb that gives it space and like fills rooms. Like when you listen to it, that that's, it's, it's pretty, pretty wild. Like to think about, that use um i was watching uh documentary series on like music and stuff like that and i think it was um it might have been 
Mark, Mark, not Mark Marin. Um, Mark Knopfler. Maybe. No. And, and he was talking about in Virgin Records, like, or it was Capital, one of the two, they had like a reverb room where it was like they would send the sound down like a tube into this room and it like would reverb off of like th- this empty room and then like come back up and record. Like the way they used to like get different sounds to exist in like the recording studios is like fucking wild. Um, and but, like that immediately like triggered in me like that sound. That's the old blues players. Yeah. They would set them up at one end of a hallway and they would put the microphones down at the, you know, they put one in front of them and one down at the other end of the hallway yeah. so that they would do that type of thing. But yeah, I, I, I think, I don't know. I like, I mean, you said it really well, Sean, it's, I like any song that just grabs a hold of you, whether it's to get you, you know, psyched and jumping up and down or to evoke some other emotional response. And this one just like was a dagger through my heart the first time Mm -hmm. I heard it. So that's how I feel. Yep. (laughs) Don't, don't break your tissues, Megan. Just, yeah, I'll be okay. I'll be okay. (laughs) We'll, we'll switch. We'll, we'll, Switch, uh, switch field. Counterpoint now. We need counterpoint. Yeah, yeah, quickly. Um, I didn't realize that I just picked a lot of old ones, but this is um, this is uh, 16 Candles Down the Drain, Molly by Sponge. 16 Candles Down the I got to, uh, it's funny, I, I start dancing and moving to all these songs and I'm like, no, pay attention, focus. I got to do the production here. <laughs> so this is another song from mid 90s. This is from their 1995 release off Rotting Pinata. I I own this. I own this album and a couple of these songs appear on my running playlists. I think I loved this song then i love it now i love the energy i love the lyrics i love that i have such a vivid picture about what he's what he's singing about i just think it has a great feel i love that the album cover has candy corn on it it does i love candy corn i really do are you guys you have to. that's a that's an important question are you candy corn people yes or no yes no ah oh, see you either love it or hate it yep i was i was camping with two of my friends and it was right before Halloween and I was all excited and I brought a bag of candy corn and they looked at me like I was eating dog crap. I was like, I don't care if you like it. They're all for me. And I just, <laughs> they were repulsed by my candy corn. I like them. So the, this album I used to listen to pretty frequently at swim meets. Mm. Um, the whole album is, is just at that tempo, right? Like yep. that speed tempo. Yeah. Um, nothing. I mean, there's, there's nothing too complicated about the lyrics. It's 
that 90s grunge sound slash alternative when alternative music was a thing. Now it's classic rock. Um, yeah. But but yeah, it's a good good track. I like it. I dig it. It's not plowed, but I dig it. I do like plowed too. I just chose it was either between this one or plowed and it was like 50 50. Those are my two favorite songs from them. That's cool. I don't know. I, I only know. <laughs> Seems like I have nothing this, to say about this. Yeah, I don't. I, uh, it reminds me of those, uh, of those movies, you know, the 16 candles and what was the one where they were all in detention and breakfast and, club. Yeah, that's it. it. Yeah. But if you listen to the lyrics, it's a little bit, it's a little bit darker. Um, that's a little good. bit darker, but it has a, has a bit of a, a pop vibe that you forget about what you're, what the lyrics are actually about. <laughs> yeah. But when you're like 14 and 15, like it's all age appropriate for you. That's the way you felt at 14 and 15. So. Well, at least, at least for Gen Xers. I mean, we, we, I don't know. We just grew up with, I don't know. We just, we just adapt. We're like, okay. All right. You know, horrible song about terrible things happening. Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> Carrying on. Yeah. Carry All on. right. So, um, Sean, you are next. All right. So this is Starting Over by Trampled by Turtles. I saw Trampled by Turtles two nights ago in Boston. Nice. Oh, yeah. How was the show? It was really phenomenal. There's a whole whole diatribe I can go on about this show. The show was what I saw was phenomenal. Um, I'll just leave it at that. Um this song you saw what did you pass out did you have so no we took down the drain what happened here, here? so we were took you the drunk kid, were you passed took, out in the bathtub we, we took the kids to the show um and this so i've been to the house of blues a bunch of fucking times yeah. and this is probably the loudest concert i have ever been to it was like everything was turned up to 11. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was ridiculous. Like, yeah. It was like, it was, I mean, for the house of blues, it's not a huge venue. And it was so, and I'm not sure if it was cause right. Like there's a lot of fiddle and banjo, like a lot of high frequency instruments, vice, like low bassy instruments. But it was, it was like, my kids were like, and it, the show was super late and they're, they go to bed at like nine o'clock and the band didn't come on till nine. And they were, they were just like done. The, the day was done before the band even came on and uh, they sucked it up for as long as they could. And then Carrie, I was like, I was like, I looked at him and I was like, all right, we got to go. And Finn's like, Finn's so like emotional. And like, he's like, daddy, are you sure? Cause like I had told him before that like, I really wanted to go see the band. And I was like real excited. And I was like, dude, you guys are like not having a good time. It's like, and it, he's like, He's like, no, no, it's okay. We'll stay. We'll stay. And I was like, no, buddy, it's like, cool. We'll go. And then Carrie's like, well, I got to walk to the car. So I'll just walk him to the car and then I'll drive up and pick you up. You'll get a few more songs. So we probably, I probably saw about half the show, but it was, they're fucking phenomenal. And Langhorn Slim, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of him. Um, open for him, just him and an acoustic guitar. And that was fucking wild. His, his songwriting is, is pretty brilliant if you haven't checked him out. Um, I had never heard of him before and I was like, Oh, intrigued. And so then I did a deep dive and listened to him for about 10 hours yesterday. <laughs> but this, this song is off of their new album, Alpenglow. It's a great fucking track. 
it's just kind of about the like dysfunction and dealing with that and then like just starting it all over well before i play the song is it a great track or is it a great fucking track it's a great fucking track it's a great motherfucking album oh great fucking track and a great motherfucking album here goes let's listen That whole album is like if you haven't listened to it, it, right? Like talking about like albums being solid all the way through. This is this is good. And they, I mean, some of their albums I like more than others, but this this album is really fucking good all the way through. And they, and like I said, in concert, I mean, they have a banjo player and a fiddle player and a mandolin player and a guitar player and a cello player and a cellist and a freaking no drummer, right? Like all this and like no drummer. It's and the fucking fills a room with sound and the singer can hold it through all of that and sound sounds just as good as he does on an album amazing that's pretty cool i love the the fiddle drive in the hole um that piece right there you know and uh um how i mean how many years i don't know how long these guys have been around for have they been around for a while yeah so have you ever seen the um the Western States movie Unbreakable. Yeah. Right. So if you go to like that movie, um, Hal Corner, right. When he's like, he's like, there's a section where he's like picking songs to put on his playlist for Western States while he's doing it. And he brings up trampled by turtles. And then like, they cut to like Hal like running somewhere training. And it's like a trampled by turtles, like song playing like in the background, like while he's running. And that's how I got introduced to him. Cool. Cool. Yeah. I thought they'd been around for, at least 10 years. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think, two, I want to say 2006, so, yeah. You get, you're all over the bluegrass scene, man. It's yeah. funny. The punk yeah. scene and the bluegrass scene. Well, I, there's a lot of crossover between the two, right? Do you, I mean, the sound, the intensity of sounds of punk and bluegrass, there is an incredible amount of overlap, and... This is not one of my favorite sounds. And you know when you play those punk songs that give me a headache? What was the no FX one? That was doors, a good example. Doors and fours, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, it's I, I like the banjo, I like the fiddle, I like, but this is just a little too much for my brain. Like it's not my not my favorite sound in the world. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, it's just, it, <laughs> it really, it's very, it it feels in my brain the way no FX feels in my brain. Like my brain's on overload. There's, I mean, so that song is a very high tempo song. They do have slower songs that aren't so aggressive. And then they have some songs that are more aggressive. Like if you were to like listen to Wait So Long, Wait, Wait So Long or Codeine are off of their earlier albums, Palomino super aggressive like songs but then there's like albums like i think it's small animals it's like a very mellow song um or mellow album it's just they they kind of 
go all over the place. That's cool. All right. You're up next, Sam. Here's another, yeah, now into the Wayback Machine uh, from <laughs> high school and first year of college. Uh, this is Watch the North Wind Rise by Hot Tuna. These guys, I saw these guys like three weeks ago. They're still, they're still pumping it out. But uh, and they've got a. I just love the heavy sound with this. You know, just the and you pick up a little bit of it in there, and you got to tune into the bass in the background with Jack Cassidy going nuts. Um, but hot, I don't know. Hot tuna is uh, like a keystone. Uh, sound for me. Both their acoustic and their really heavy electric stuff. Even though the concert was like being at an Alzheimer's ward. Um, <laughs> a couple of the, you got like with Yorma's tottering around on stage and all these like 70 year old gray haired guys walking around in circles in the audience. But uh, yeah, that's that just this reminds me of freshman year in college. Because I mm. just played this album Hopcore over and over again. So and Yorma Conkren, what's his last name? Kalkinen. That's right. Is I've seen him solo a couple times at different folk festivals, and I've heard of Hot Tuna, but I don't think I've ever listened to Hot Tuna. Um, but I like Yorma, um, and I this song sounds like I imagine you having a lot of memories attached to this song. Just Dude, sounds, this is, sounds like one of those songs. This is old school hippie shit. Yeah, it is. Like this is like like I picture, I like just old school hippies driving in their fucking their panel vans, fucking listening to fucking hot tuna. That's like it's it's a great track. I dig it. Like, but I was like, oh man, like that's like that's like what that is. Like shag carpeting in the back of the fucking panel van. Oh yeah. And lots of LSD in your system and smoking oh, really bad weed. And, yeah. uh, did you have yeah. a panel van? I had no panel van. I had a, I had a Brown Malibu, you know, and that was it. <laughs> and I literally, I had all these, I had all these, um, bootleg tapes. <laughs> I didn't have a tape machine. And I had this little fucking chintzy little cassette deck that I would plug the, the thing into it. I would sit up on my um, dash up on the dashboard and I would play it through this little like mono speaker, like the worst Radio Shack version of a cassette deck you can think of. And, that, and visual, that was it. That visual. I don't know if it did it for you, Sean, but that just formed a very complete picture of Sam because. Oh, yeah. I I don't ever think of any of our ages because you and I, Sean, are about the same age, a couple years difference. I forget, Sam, that you're older than us. And but that that picture of the brown Malibu, it's just <laughs> like if we could go back in time, I would like to take a ride with you in that Malibu. And listen uh, and listen on your on your shitty tape deck. <laughs> it was the shittiest car. And I remember 
drove locally one time to this little ski area, like 20 minutes from where my parents lived. And the the oil light goes on and I pull over on the highway and I checked them like, oh, the oil's fine. And I was, of course, baked as could be. <laughs> Go out there, ski all day and come back home. And I'm pulling in, in with my little tape deck cranked up, probably playing Grateful Dead or Hot Tuna. And I'm pulling to my parents' house and my dad comes running out of the house. Turn off the car. It's not getting any oil. Like the oil pump had failed on the car. And I'd driven the thing like, you know, 40 miles. And I was like, what? <laughs> so and the car and like and the car still continued. Like it went another 50,000 miles after that. You couldn't destroy it. One of these straight six things. So Oh God. I have tears. <laughs> so that, yeah it's the good times you know so i don't know your 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 other daughter but i know so do you like is this like does she have like memories of you playing like hot tuna in the car like while driving her like around places has like a kid and does it like does it bring up so i have interesting memories of my dad playing his music my dad Same. was yeah right like my dad was older my dad i mean my dad my dad's probably what Sam's dad's age, I would guess. My dad would, if he was still alive today, would have been in his like late eighties. Um, I was, a, I was a way afterthought in his you life. You were the love child, huh? <laughs> yeah. Well, I was, I was a child of, he married um, a woman 16 years younger when he like got his life together after, you know, and I had, they had me. So, um, but yeah, I remember like I, he would drive around and it'd be music, not that music, but his type of music. And I have like very ingrained memories of like John Denver and stuff like that, like in my brain of listening to that in the car. And I was wondering if. I'm sure they do. I mean, I was, it's funny because I, like I went through the whole hippie cycle late seventies and all through the eighties. And then somewhere late eighties, I started working with this guy that was into like, every type of music you could possibly and he completely opened my mind up because i for years i listened to hot tuna david bromberg the band little feet and the grateful dead and that was it for like eight or nine years and then like this guy's like no and he you know the whole austin scene and um you know the cow punk scene and some of the heavier stuff like i said in the, in the late 80s and you know the grunge scene and, and so that's what my kids were listening to, all that stuff that was at that time becoming new to me. But this, you know, just like with Sponge or some of these other things that we've listened to that like imprint on you mm -hmm. at such an early age, that's absolutely what this is. And, and you know, I mean, Yorma's probably, I mean, he's close to at the same age as I mean, he's probably pushing 80 at this point. I was going to so. say, I late 70s is what I was thinking. Yeah. But then his acoustic stuff is what inspired me to pick up a guitar when I was like 35 and play that sort of old fingerstyle blues guitar mm. that he has that, that he's just amazing on to. So yeah. anyways, yeah. I don't want to wear this out. We've got to get on to <laughs> you. That was, that was a great visual, though. I really... That was good. Okay. There you go. All right. Change of um change of genre. This is Eric Clapton Forever Man. 
forever, 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 man. So I think, you know, this, this was on a 1985 album that Eric Clapton released, but I didn't, well, my, I think it's one of those songs that maybe imprinted on me because my father really, really, really liked Eric Clapton. We listened to a lot of Eric Clapton and I wasn't a huge fan, but my dad had gotten tickets to go see Eric Clapton. This would have been 1991 and second row. Okay. Second row, um, in Hartford. Um, and it was, it just, so I would have been 16 years old at the time in, in 91. And this concert just blew my mind because I just watched him. This is the electric guitar phase. He didn't get into his acoustic stuff yet. I'm not a big fan of the acoustic stuff. Um, and I remember I could see that he popped four guitar strings and did not miss a beat. And I couldn't in my head at that age comprehend how what what he was doing that he didn't mess up any of his songs. He just kept going and going. Um, that was also an extremely loud concert. I think my ears rang for three or four days afterwards. But second row, Eric Clapton, 1991, just powerful stuff. And he um, he definitely can can play the guitar, that's for sure. So I got to say, I um, I can relate to seeing him, I think, soon after this came out. I got this is I, this isn't my favorite Eric Clapton song. It's like it's kind of like the disco-y Eric Clapton a little mm-hmm. bit. To, at least the recording is. I it know is, yeah. live it's going to be completely different. Depending on his mood. Yeah. Yeah. But I saw him in like 86 in the Providence Civic Center. And um, he had this amazing, he had Phil Collins playing drums, which is where Phil Collins should be. He yes. should only be a drummer. Mm-hmm. And then um, there, there was this band, the Brothers Johnson. I don't know if that same is, means anything to you guys, but they were a 70s, maybe early 80s band. They were these funky guys. And I forget, Alfonso Johnson or something like that was playing bass, phenomenal bass player. It was an amazing show. And so that's what this takes me back to. Same type of thing, Megan, is he, he was it was a phenomenal concert. And um, he's a he's a just unbelievable, unbelievable guitarist. I still listen to on my regular playlist. I have all these songs pulled from Layla mm, um, yeah. because it's Eric Clapton and Dwayne Allman, which like I think is. And I made just again, that's imprinted from my childhood. But uh, I just think that this was the first time I listened to a lot of music growing up. But this was the first time I'd actually seen somebody and under like and understood the level of talent. And it again, I was second row. And, you know, my I just got the tickets. It was I think during the day. um, Or it, it was that morning. My dad realized he couldn't go. And he said, do you do you? And your, you know, one of your friends want to go to this concert. I'm like, sure, why not? Um, but I hadn't, I hadn't had the opportunity to bear witness to that kind of musical talent until that point, and my brain just blew. It's good times. So, when this song was on the playlist, immediately I said, I wonder if this is a Marshall pick. <laughs> like immediately, like went to you. Um, like, my like dad after talking to your dad. Lot- 
so so he listened to a lot of Eric Clapton, but this is not one of his um one of his favorite Eric Clapton songs. This would be my favorite Eric Clapton song. And um he likes um Oh God! Now he definitely likes Layla and what you were just talking about, Sam. And what's that? The love- old guy stuff, you know. What's the love song one um, about seeing his wife across the room? Um, oh, you look wonderful tonight. Yes, he likes that. And I'm like, Bleh. yeah, that one um, got worn out on the radio. My wife yeah, yeah, pukes radio every time. Killed, radio killed that song. Yeah, but. Um, Our- Donna pukes every time she hears that song. I kind of feel like that. And and I remember my dad like, oh, this is such a great song about how he loves his wife. And I'm like, well, I mean, as a teenager, I'm like, yeah, whatever, gross, dad. So. <laughs> yeah, that song sounds super 80s. Like there should be like a Coca-Cola commercial associated with that. <laughs> I'm sure there is. Right. Like in my head, I'm like, I'm like, oh, there's like there's the Coca, like Bob Seger up next too, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so growing up. We used to have swim practice in the morning and we all listened to Rock 102. Sam probably has like, rock, here's Rock 102 out in Stowe. Do you? Classic Rock, Rock 102? I don't think so. Oh, okay. So that but was. I, I think I've heard it going down through Connecticut. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a, but it's a, it's a Western Mass station. Oh, okay. Um, and I grew up, that's where I grew up. And so we, that was the radio station we listened to on the way into swim practice in the morning. And God damn it, the amount of times. That that Eric Clapton track played in that time frame. It's amazing. Yeah. How many times? Yeah. <laughs> it's it's so like prototypical, like 1980s yeah. gar- guitar rock. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's it's interesting because when I was picking these songs, I did not focus on this era, you know, because this is this is the 90s for me. I think all the songs that I've picked are are 90s songs. I didn't realize it at the time, but um, that would be, yeah, that would be my theme for today, I guess. There you go. Right on. All right. What's next, Sean? Back to the Wayback Machine. Yeah. So this is um, Body of an American by the Pogues. Um, Shane McGowan, super talented. Uh, Disastrous drunk. Um, This song, I mean, I grew up in in a strong Irish household and that's like part of part of the way i grew up and so this song kind of resonates and the band kind of resonates with me Oh, you don't like that, Meg? You're making faces of it. It feels like I'm being yelled at. Oh, so. And and just so you know, my my family also listened to a ton of this kind of music, and I'm not a fan because sort of like Mumford and Sons has that same. It sounds like Mumford and Sons copied this sound where they're like, and I'm like, oh my god, make it stop! Don't yell at me! I didn't do it. Well, like, right. So, I mean, I like Irish music, 
and I like bluegrass and like that's where that sound comes from. Like that's the that's the Irish and Scottish immigrants that lived in Appalachia that like created that bluegrass sound. And that's so like there's not much difference between that bluegrass and old traditional Irish music. It's just a lot of times it's faster. Um, Shane McGowan, fucking phenomenal writer. Um, this song is like a great story. It's really about an Irish immigrant that like came over to the U.S. and then he's, you know, he's lived this life in the U.S. as like a fighter and a war, a war. I don't know if he's a war hero, but went to the war and, and became part of that. And always, pro- it sounds like he's proud of his American heritage and kind of disavowed his Irish heritage. And then he passes and he goes back to Ireland and they're having a, a funeral and it's not just a sad funeral. It's like the Irish party funeral. And um, then, you know, one of the boys that's at the funeral becomes like enamored with the idea of being like uh, the idea of the great American journey and heads off to America to like go ahead and experience that. And that's, I mean, that's a lot like a lot of my family. That's what they did. You know, I, I think there's, there's something in the blood or in the tradition because the folks that I know that were real dyed in the wool Irish, all the people with red hair that I knew in the 70s and 80s loved the Pogues. And, uh, you know, I mean, and this is a great album that this comes off of, too. Rum, Sodomy, Sodomy and Lash. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, there's a handful of amazing Pogues albums, at least, that, uh, um, you know, that were just. And it was such a cool little corner of the kind of quasi punk sound too, you know, yeah. that they that they they kept. So this is definitely a sound that permeated, you know, into my brain somewhere in the late eighties, I think. Um it's good. And Shane McGowan, yeah, I mean, amazing songwriter, but just I don't know, is he even alive? Anymore believe, is he? I, I believe he succeeded in drinking himself to death. I know uh, yeah. he was with the Popes. You know, he had his band, yep. the Popes, for a long time, and some beautiful uh, songs out of that too. My wedding song is a Shane McGowan's and the Pope song, um, and yeah, this is um, we saw we saw Shane play in Boston at the House of Blues. I think. 2012 ish time frame, give or take a few years. And I haven't seen him in the U S since then touring. Um, and I dragged Carrie, Carrie loves Shane McGowan. She, she loves the Pogues. Um, but she had a, like the flu and we like dragged her to the house of blues. And it, she's like, it was the worst day ever. And I think we saw the dropkick movies like two days later and that wasn't any better for her. But yeah, it was you know, good St. Patty's day weekend in my opinion. Cool. I mean, when are you, you, I had to drag her, like, because I was like, Shane might be dead next year or like exactly. tomorrow. So exactly. Yeah. I'm uh, sorry you don't like it, Meg. Yeah, I again, I grew up with this stuff, and um, it just, yeah, not my jam. I think it's the, I think it's the flute, the little penny whistle. The penny whistle, her. yeah. Maybe they do that. Are they playing a recorder? Is it a recorder? You know, it's a tin whistle. Tin whistle. I, That's what it is. I can't. So with my four kids, each child 
throughout the course of their schooling um, has brought home a recorder. And I feel like that is the music teacher's way because music teachers are phenomenal human beings. What they do, it just blows my mind. They, they typically can play a number of instruments. They get these children to sound cohesive, but I feel like they send the recorder home as a big F you to the parents. Yeah. Like, ha, ha, ha. It's just cruel and unusual punishment. All right. What's next, Sam? All right. So, yeah, this is a to- total shift in gears here. Um, big shift. Yeah, so this is called My Comfort Remains by a guy named Nusrat Fatah Ali Khan. And he is a Pakistani um, vocalist. And there's these, he sings these songs. They're called Kwali. I'm sure I'm mispronouncing that. So my apologies. But um, they're devotional or religious songs. And, uh, this was this is kind of a combination of him with some kind of new agey um, keyboards and then him singing over it. So take it away, Megan. So I, I'm getting chills just listening to that little bit. I don't know. You know, this is, uh, I don't know. I think it's a really beautiful um, song. I have no idea what he's saying. Um, but his, I You mean, should his, have done your research to tell us. Uh, you know, I, there's some of that ambiguity that is fine with me, you know? Yes. Yeah. I and because it just evokes something, you know, again, this is just, it stirs something deep in the pot. And, um, and, and this is one of those songs that I can just put it on and it just makes me smile. And, um, I don't, you know, I don't know why I, I think I'm the guy, his voice is truly incredible what he can do with his voice. And, um, so yeah, I mean, what do you guys think? I'm sure this was out of left field for you. So it starts, super mellow and builds into like that i believe is towards the end of the yeah that's like the peak of it yeah um and it's there's um a track by the band air called alone in kyoto or kyoto yeah yeah exactly um and it's it's got that same like 
airy quality to it. That's like, I, the, the best way I can like describe it from personal experience is I've heard that track, um, by air while like skiing in like a birch glade with like soft snow falling and just having that feeling with that sound and that in the beginning, at least at the very beginning of that, that's kind of got that same feeling to it. It's just like airy and earthy, but it's instead of being like a soft snow feeling and having that, it's more, it's more earthy, I guess, as opposed like it's the colors aren't to me, aren't like white and stuff. They're, they're Brown and rich and green and orange. If that makes any sense, what I'm saying. It, it does to me. You know? <laughs> it um, does to me. Cause I mean, like I'll have, there's like a handful of songs that I, it's funny because I, I have this mix that I, I don't change too much of it when I run, when I, and I always like music's the last thing I put on when I'm running long distance, like to bring me up, you know, it's food. And then it's, you know, there's other look for other people. And then when nothing else works, I'll put music on. And some of the songs I'm like, nope, don't want to listen to that. Nope. Don't want to listen to that. And then there's like a handful that no matter what's going on, like it just brings, it just brings me up out of that funk. So I don't know. That's That's exactly what I do when I run too. I save music. I use music like caffeine. So I, 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 you can't do it the whole time, but I save it for when I'm feeling like really lonely or down or need an energy boost. But this song to me, what year did it come out? Do you know? This is like probably around 1990 or so. Okay. It's, it's from this, it's from this um, record label that Peter Gabriel put together because Peter yes. Gabriel, he yes, started. I Yes, I know what you're talking about now. Yes, sorry to interrupt you, but it just clicked. Go ahead. Yes, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, so he had, okay. he had started back. I saw him in 81 or 82 in Ottawa when I was at college, and he had this band, uh, Yusundur, who's from Senegal, open from him. And he, he had this whole, um, it was his third album, and it's really heavy, heavy in percussion. And he had gotten into all this world music stuff. And he okay. started, and he finally put together a record album, and he was producing all these things through his studios. Mm-hmm. So that's where this came from, to try to get it into a wider market out in the world. My my brain just did a click, because as I, it, this song sounds, I'm like, this is, sounds like something I would listen to doing yoga, right? And that's why I asked about the year, because I'm trying to figure it out. But then I remember, as soon as you said Peter Gabriel, that um, I used to use um, his albums, um, and I would play them during my yoga classes, because this song, as you can hear, has a ton of energy. So doing a power yoga flow that I want people to be engaged in and really, really present, this would be something that I would play and turn it up very loud. So almost like you can't hear yourself think, you know what we're doing, just move through it and sweat. And I couldn't remember. I'm like, how do I know this? How do I know this? And as soon as you said, as soon as you said Peter Gabriel and his world music, I'm like, that's it. That's it. Yeah. The coin dropped. Yeah, that's cool. It clicked. Uh, Yeah. Um, he, He came up with some great stuff. And I was really grateful because that 
phase that Peter Gabriel went through introduced me to a lot of world music that I would not have heard um that I would not have heard regularly. And I wanted to, I wanted to switch because I know I have it on this computer someplace, but I'm not going to mess up. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to mess up our, our recording, but I do have a few of those albums and they were played for years um, when I was teaching. That's cool. Yeah. All That's right, cool. Last track. Take it home. Take it Last home. Last track. This is John Hyatt. Um, have a little faith. When the tears you cry are all you can believe just give these loving arms a try baby and have a little faith in me and have a little faith in me and have a little faith in me Excellent piano playing, Sam. Thank you. I was playing the bass earlier and now playing the piano. That great little roll at the end there. Such a good song. Yeah, this this song um, came out on his uh, 1987 release um, called Bring the Family. It is very, very hard for me to listen to this song. Um, so... Um, let me give you the background of the song first, because then I can <clears throat> then I'll be able to talk. So I'm going to actually read you what because they'll say it better. But the song was first it was written um, when John Hyatt got sober and Hyatt's original attempt at recording this song took place at a friend's studio and included a larger instrument accompaniment. However, the recording was plagued by technical issues. The morning after, Hyatt was informed that his estranged wife had committed suicide. Hyatt attributes the technical problems with the original recording as a sign that the song was not meant to be heard that way, and he eventually released the song with a much simpler um, piano accompaniment. And I I love this song. I have full body chills. I just have to breathe when I listen to it. Um, so my best friend um, had cancer, and she died in 2003, and she was only 46 years old. Um, but we listened to a lot of music together. I, I met her when I was living in Austin. And when um, when she became bedridden, we would just sit and listen listen to music together and, and just talk. And this is one of her favorite songs. Um, her name was Mary. And so, yeah, so it's... It's super hard for me to hear because it just absolutely floods me um, with a lot of emotions. But I have to say, because I feel like she would kick my ass if she were alive, her favorite version of this song is Delbert McClinton's version. And Delbert McClinton put out his version in 1992. A lot of artists have since covered this song. Um, but she liked the Delbert McClinton version. Um I like the John Hyatt version, so I chose the I chose the John Hyatt um, version. But I like I do like the simplicity of the song. And then when I read um, how he was having trouble recording it, um, it all it all sort of uh, all sort of came together. But yeah, this is a super special song for me. I don't think anything more needs to be said. I mean, it's it's a great great song. John Hyatt is one of the truly classic, great 
uh, songwriters out there. And I mean, is underappreciated probably. I mean, he gets a little more play now, but I know through the seventies and the eighties, he was not that well known and, uh, just a really, really talented guy. Sean, you got anything? I have nothing, nothing else to add to that. It's, it's, a, it was, it's a nice song. This, um, this song is going to be our outtake song. I'm just going to continue playing that. And with that said, Sean puts together our Zendurance Now playlists, and Sean will put these. Well, how, why don't you describe what you're going to do? How you, how you post it, and how you share it. So, anyways, um, this one is already available if you do follow our um, playlist. Uh, I'll put in the show notes. I'll put links to the playlist on Apple, Spotify, and Amazon. Should you want to listen to the playlist, um, that'll be on all those public and free to share. Um, it's I, I so 100%. I have listened to the playlist of all 18 of these songs probably 15 times since we have all put them together and I've run with them. It's that's a good fucking playlist. I I won't knock it. And I think all of these artists that that all of us chose, if you like a song or a song like click something in you, it, you know, go explore the rest of their catalog uh, catalog is what I'm trying to say. There's a lot of super talented people here. And boy, do we we have a really good variety, I think. Yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome. All over the map. Well, thank you, Sam. Thank you, Sam, for joining us. Um, thanks for thanks, Sean, for um, just being you, man. <laughs> I'm all I can be, Megan. <laughs> okay, we're all gonna do and do an air hug, air hug through the uh, computer. Um, if you like this um, podcast, if you're enjoying it, please share with somebody. Also, if you want to like us or rate us please do that. And if you're feeling like totally crazy and want to leave us a review, it really does help um, the algorithm um, as our podcasts are posted. And if you don't feel like doing any of that, great. Um, that's cool. Just keep listening. We appreciate you. And um, it was great listening to music with you guys. Peace. Take it easy. Peace, friends. It's dark And you can no longer see Just let my love throw a spark And have a little faith in me And when the tears you cry Are all Give these loving arms a try, baby And have a little faith in me And have a little faith in me And have a little faith in me
little faith in me And have a little faith in me And have a little faith in me And when you're a cigarette a heart You cannot speak so easily I said, uh, I said, uh, 